This is the Oceans Church Podcast, where we believe in connecting people to Jesus, the one who changes it all. To learn more about Oceans, view upcoming events, or find info about ways to give, please visit oceanschurch.org. Thanks for visiting the podcast. Enjoy today's message. Good morning, Oceans Church. We're so glad to be here. How many can just take a minute and just give God some praise? Maybe put your hands together and make some noise for Jesus. Can we do that? I was glad when they said to me, let us go to Destin. You have no idea. We're so glad that we're here. Thank you, guys. Um, Yes, it's true. We have known Pastor Michael and Jamie for... Uh, a long time, and we have watched them grow and develop in such amazing uh, friends, pastors, parents, um, and I just think that's really, really cool that we're here and that you guys are doing such a good job. We're proud of you, man. Wow. Aren't they doing amazing? Come on, then. They are doing amazing. Welcome. Um, we are excited to be here and honored. It's no... Whoops. Of course it's me. (laughs) Well, it's my fault because (laughs) this is my work computer, and I put my notes on it and thinking we were going to transfer it all to Mark's iPad, and it wouldn't transfer. So now I have to bring this clunky thing up here that takes up all the space. I apologize. Um, Hey, get a Mac. Once you go Mac, you never go back. I'm sorry. (laughs) He says that to me all the time. Oh, boy. Okay, so... Anyway, we are so excited, so honored to be here. We love Mark and Jamie. Mark and Jamie, good grief. I love Mark. We love Mike and Jamie so, so much. They mean the world to us. Um, It's been over 20 years, but we don't want to say exactly because then you'll figure our ages out. But... um, they are. They were the. They were the joy. They brought joy to Mark and I when our kids were like in their early teens. Um, our kids loved having them over. We've had many meals together, many laughs. If you know Pastor Michael, you're going to get a good laugh. Um, sometimes you wonder if anything serious can get accomplished. But look at this. Look what God has done. Yes, amen. So, but we are so excited. We love their children like they're ours. Allison is like the most beautiful in all the land. She's the fairest of 10,000. And she's my BFF. She's always telling me how wonderful I am, how beautiful I am. And that's my number one love language. So I like, yeah. So I love you, Allison. Debbie uh, is my prime rib. Those of you that have not had a chance to meet her yet, you heard me speaking uh, here a few months ago, but uh, Debbie is definitely the joy behind everything that I do. Um, I like to say that she's my better two-thirds. For those of you that understand math, you'll get that. Um, She is the big piece of our relationship, and so, um, but together we make a really good team, and uh, And so we're excited about talking about great expectations. So this series really is going to hopefully uh, continue to encourage you to strive to be a a better person in all your relationships, whether you're talking about marriage, whether you're engaged, whether you're single wanting to mingle, uh, whether you're, you know, uh, you just got a friend or maybe maybe colleagues and coworkers and employees, uh, employers, 
all of these principles, and we're calling these today Mark and Deb's. They're basically life hacks, and so we're going to give you four life hacks today that hopefully will help you, uh, not just in your relationship, um, but also in relationships you engage with. One of the things that I feel like is important to us um, is that we um, communicate um, with putting Jesus in the middle. And so hopefully today we're going to unpack this idea of what does it look like to make Jesus the center? What does that actually mean? How can I practically apply that? It sounds good when it comes out of your mouth and rolls off the tongue, but how do I actually make that work in my everyday life? And so we're going to give you some life hacks that are hopefully going to help you with that. I want to read something that uh, you've probably already heard before, but it's going to hopefully give us the on-ramp and caveat into what we're going to talk about this morning. Listen to these words. Watch your thoughts because they become your words, right? Watch your words because they become your actions. Watch your actions because they become your habits. Watch your habits because they become your character. Watch your character because it actually becomes your destiny. Uh, Actions speak louder than words, we like to say, but probably not nearly as often. And so we've discovered that life hack number one for us has become vulnerability, and we want to talk about that this morning. Vulnerability is a big one because we live in a society where everybody is trying to sort out or differentiate the fake from the authentic. And so um, vulnerability is putting ourselves out there to where we're exposed. And we have to, um, in order to connect with somebody, it can doesn't even have to be a spouse. It can be a coworker. It can be somebody in the grocery store. It can be somebody in your Bible study, whatever. It just has to be another human being. We have to take an emotional risk to connect. Colossians 4, 6 says, let your speech be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Today, we'd like to look at vulnerability as salt. Not enough vulnerability, and your relationship is bland. Too much vulnerability, salt, And you've ruined your meal. You've ruined the relationship. Um, So when you're getting to know somebody, I'm going to use me for an example. I meet you out in the lobby, and I'm like, oh, they look pretty neat. I want to get to know them. I go up, and I get nervous, and I just start saying everything that I know. And that's kind of awkward, and the other person's like, okay, TMI, didn't mean, didn't need to know all those details. You almost act like a crazy person, and it scares them off, and so that's too much salt. Yes, so you have to build trust in a relationship and invest time, then you can share all the nitty-gritty. I think all of us could probably agree that being vulnerable, it really is a scary thing. It, it sounds like something that uh, can actually cause more anxiety than less. And so if we're going to make Jesus the center of our relationship, we, we learn to lean on him for the thing that we actually don't have a source and supply of in and of our own strength. The Bible says in Romans ten seventeen that faith comes by hearing and listening to the words of Jesus. And faith is an action based on a belief supported with confidence. And it's something that we desperately need if we're going to really live out this life hack. And so it's a fearful thing for me. I don't know why. Uh, I I love 
promoting other people and facilitating other people's dreams and all of those things are great. But I begin to feel vulnerable when I start sharing my dreams. I don't know if that relates to anybody else in the room, but so Lord, how do I share my dreams with this amazing lady that uh, I have this, you know, maybe I've got a history of being heard in the past by other people. And so I'm trying to project onto her some of the stuff from past relationships. But I realized that it requires faith and trust that if, if I was telling Jesus my dreams, he wouldn't condemn me. He wouldn't make me feel less than. He wouldn't, you know, kind of poo-hoo on the things that I'm sharing from my heart. In fact, he'd be so welcoming. He, he would carefully hold and maybe even give me some, some encouragement and affirmation that I need. And so making Jesus the center of our relationship and vulnerability being our first life act, we realize that I've got to lean into him and I've got to use the faith that I get from him in order to really be successful in communicating with my wife, my dreams, and even my fears. Yes. So vulnerability isn't always just pouring out your soul or spilling your guts, so to speak, but it's the simple things. It's like, um, say you want to spice up your relationship with your spouse. You're putting yourself out there and you're leaving yourself exposed like, are they going to think I'm stupid? Are they going to laugh at me? Yeah. And when somebody laughs at you, that's so painful. It does. It hurts. Or maybe somebody, or maybe you want to share like an accomplishment that you've done or something you've created. You're exposing yourself. You're putting yourself out there for them to be like, eh, no, that's not good. That's not good at all. It was kind of like Mark and I preparing for this message today, I oh, if you originally thought that it was all four of us doing a panel. I'm like, yeah, that's easy, breezy, that'll be a blast. And then three days ago, I found out it was just us two. And so then I'm like, oh, shoot, you know. Surprise. So I'm trying to get some information and together, like in my mind, like what has helped in relationships that we use on the daily to help our relationship deepen, deepen and grow. And so then I like, well, Mark starts telling me, I'm going to work on Friday morning. We're leaving after I got off work to drive here, making my coffee. I'm supposed to leave like in four minutes out the door so I'm not late. And Mark starts telling me what he's planning on sharing. And I'm like, can you explain that again to me? And so he explains it. He's very patient. Explains it to okay, me so again. Okay, so I'm a verbal processor. <laughs> for those of you that haven't already figured that out, my wife, on the other hand, yeah. is more of an internal processor. She likes to think things through, and she needs time and space. And I'm not really the best at giving her that because I'm constantly overwhelming her with all these ideas. I'm just spitballing and throwing all these. Hey, we could do this. Hey, we could do that. And by you know. Five minutes in, you're like, I don't want to do any of it. So uh, that that's was, sort of what it kind of looked like as we were me. building. I was it. like, I don't, I don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> so Mark had said, well, no, what we're going to do is we're going to um, share on how to make Jesus the center of our relationship. I'm like, what? How do we do that? I, I don't know how to do that. And it was funny because Mark, we, I say in our marriage for years and years, He's the spiritual one, and I'm the carnal one. I'm not carnal, but I'm the practical one. I need something, like give me something to do to put into action or to practice. You can't just give me a scripture. I need, like, the how-tos. So, yes, so I brought my how-tos, and Mark's bringing the spiritual side of it today. 
So, but being vulnerable requires confidence, trust, and true love. A little bit of salt goes a very long way, and don't ever underestimate, estimate, I can't get that word right, the power of vulnerability. So, as we lean into the words of Jesus, we find out that in Matthew 6.33, or John, rather, 6.33, we find out that Jesus' words are spirit and life. Uh, when I think about the Spirit, I think about the Holy Spirit was given to us to be a comforter. When I think about Jesus' words, I think about his words. They give me hope. They give me, they give me strength. And so as we're going into our life hack number two, we realize that there's got to be something more than just the Captain Obvious in the relationship that's always willing to point out all the mistakes and the things that need to change and the things that are wrong and the things that we need to adjust, although that's very important. But sometimes I have to do the natural and I have to look to Jesus to do the super. And together, it becomes something supernatural. And so the second life hack that we're going to hopefully share with you today, and, and I hope it's a blessing to you, is we love to talk about this idea of being positive. positive. Wasn't sure if I was supposed to say that. That was actually highlighted for him. I'm just trying to follow the rules up here. <laughs> She's the rule keeper. I'm the rule breaker. Positivity. Somebody once said that there is a secret scale, a balance scale, a secret balance scale to every healthy relationship, and it's the five to one ratio. So five positive interactions to one, to every one negative interaction. And I like to think about that, especially when you come to sunny Florida, I like to think about it in the natural as five sunny days, five days full of sunshine and one day full of dreary, rainy days. Um, so genera or, uh, generously pour out positivity and encouragement into your relationships. Um, my number one love language is words. I already said that. So I love to be encouraged. And I love when Mark tells me or anybody tells me how wonderful I am. It's like, you know, my little, it just makes me feel good all the way down to my toes. And so I, because I experience that amazing feeling, I like, I tend to be an encourager as well because it's like, oh my gosh, makes me feel this good. I feel like, you know, Wonder Woman. It's going to make you feel, you know, you did an amazing job. So when our son was a senior in high school, he went from sport to sport um, the whole time he grew up because he had so much energy and then he had two younger sisters. And if he wasn't in a sport, he just had unchanneled energy. And it was constantly like, you know, to the girls. Hey, you know, just driving them crazy. So we had to keep him in sports, keep him, <laughs> keep him worn out, and then he would sleep after dinner, and it was great. He was tired all the time. But anyway, when Rye was on the soccer field, I was that mom that was like, you're doing great. I mean, the ball could have been stolen from him or whatever. I'm like, after the game, you were the best one out there. Oh, my gosh, I love watching you play. One of the girls that went to our church was a girl soccer player for the school, and she happened to be standing next to me watching the game. And she looked at me, and she goes, why do you do that? And I said, why, why do I do what? And she's like, why do you tell him he's so awesome? She goes, that's a lie. Wow. Dang. Well, I was kind of crushed. And she's like, all you're doing is making him conceited. 
And I said, no, I am not making him conceited. I am encouraging him because I see the potential right. in him. And he was. He was really a great, a great player yeah. in mom's eyes. His sport was basketball. Yes. He's got a number of trophies that actually prove that mom was right. So then there's that. Yes. So, uh, yes. But one of the things we find out about how do we cause this this positivity or this kind of walking around looking for the good and looking for, you know, the encouragement in others, we find out that this is actually how Jesus is with us. Uh, Instead of, again, pointing out all the obvious and the negative things that need to be changed and needs to be fixed, he comes along and he says, I've actually put something in you that's amazing. And he begins to speak and call out the good thing in you and he causes you to move in that direction. Now, there's power to speaking these things. Um, so, obviously, as we speak those things and, and make those things, today's language, we like to call it manifesting. And so, this is the principle of we're going to speak these positive things in our marriage, in our home, in our family, over our children, in all of our relationships, because there's so much negativity around us. Everybody is crying out for somebody to just give them some positivity and some hope. And the least thing we can do is bring that to our relationship. So the number one enemy to positivity is negativity, complaining Mm. about Mm. something, anything. Have you ever met that? And I'm not meaning to pick on a woman, but because I'm a woman. Have you ever met that one person, let's say, that nothing's ever good enough. They were never treated well enough or their kids didn't celebrate them well enough on Father's Day or Mother's Day or you didn't get that gift you thought you were going to have. Just it's like, it's too hot, it's too cold, this food isn't good. I mean, you go out to eat and the food's amazing, but they always have a complaint. Complaining can be a huge drain to a relationship. That's why we need five positivity positive interactions to one negative a relationship will never be healthy if it's vice versa proverbs 27 15 through 16 says and this is in the passion translation an endless drip 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 from a leaky faucet and the words of a cranky nagging wife have the same effect Can you stop the north wind from blowing or grasp a handful of oil? Think about that. It's impossible. That's why we lean into Jesus and we say, Lord, I need your words that are encouraging and comforting and positive. And I bring those words to you. So this is why we spend time in prayer. Because as I listen to Jesus, I learn to talk like Jesus. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's what's so desperately needed, I think, not just in our relationship with our spouse or our family members, but I think in the world in general. So, uh, Our relationships around us are meant to be our support system. So there will be times when you have a friend or somebody that comes to you in a crisis and they're processing what they're going through. And rightfully, we should be there to support them. It doesn't always mean, though, that they want advice. Ninety percent of the time when Mark comes to me in crisis about something, he's already made up his mind what he's going to do, but he's just giving me all the nitty gritty of the details. And he's not always looking for advice. He's looking for me to stand with him, affirm him and support him. My coworker, 
is very close to her sister. They're both married, and um, her sister moves several states away. So they talk. Every morning they talk on the way into work, and sometimes I'm there before my coworker gets there, and she's still on the phone with her sister, and her sister has chronic mother-in-law issues. And so I'll hear my coworkers say, do you want my support or do you want my advice? Because she said that she learned I was constantly giving advice and then my sister was getting mad at me and I'm like, well, you're the one calling and complaining. She's not really complaining, she's processing. So we need to listen and highlight the positive of what they're going through and saying. And if we can't find anything that they are doing right, we just need to show empathy and love them. Maybe a hug. Something I struggled with early on in our relationship, and I think it's a a massive, massive key if we can learn early on. And instead of me listening to my wife and thinking, I need to fix this right now, uh, instead, I need to be empathetic and I need to listen to her with empathy. She's not coming to me wanting me to fix her. She's coming to me because she wants me to be part of what she's going through. And so now I've learned instead of saying, well, you should have or you didn't have to do that or why didn't you text them before you called them? Instead of being that guy, now I'm the guy that I'll listen and I'll go, all right, whose tires are we going to slash? Come on, let's take them And I love when he says that because it makes me laugh every time now. But he used to not. He used to just like fire, I mean rapid fire scriptures at me. And then I felt less spiritual and I'm like, well, I know that that's not right, but this is how I feel. So yes. But now he just says, whose house are we going to teepee? Or whose tires are we going to go slash? And I'm like, let's go. Let's ride. Let's go. Uh, Life hack number three is probably uh, our favorite. And hopefully, again, it's going to help you today. Um, We call this one intentionality. And uh, one of the things that we found out is that if you're going to be intentional, uh, you, there's got to be something about you that, you that you learn to be observant. And uh, hopefully, Debbie's got some stuff to make this sound amazing. Have you ever noticed that the smallest things in life make you feel so special? The small moments, the small gestures. Um, this is where my husband shines. He has mastered this with all of those he loves. They say in the realty world, the three laws are location, location, location. In the relationship world, those three laws are observation, observation, observation. My husband is such a good observer, and he is... He notices details about people. Like, he can describe somebody in a crowd, and he's like, did you see the lady with the purple shoes and had the gold belt? And I'm like, no, what color hair did she have? Like, I'm very... But Mark's in all about the details. And, but that, that goes such a long way because every day he'll drop me off a pal's ice water at work. In fact, the big guy, the big boss, the executive came in and wanted to know who, I was, who my boyfriend was, who I was having an affair with because this guy kept leaving water at my Jeep. Nice. So, <laughs> Brownie so, points. Pal's water isn't a huge gift, but it's the gesture. It's, I tend to drink more coffee than I do water, so I had made the statement, I need to drink more water. And Pal's is just, it's like a little burger place that's a sudden, they call it a sudden service, where it's just a drive-through, and they 
claim that you can be in the drive-thru and out like in three minutes tops. And they're very efficient. They only sell a few items. But their ice water, for some reason, with a slice of yeah. lemon, to me, is like the best. And I, it, he gets the me gods. the big one, and it's like 55 cents. And... To me, and I'm a budgeter too, so I'm like, oh, 55 cents is great. So he gets me these treats every day, and that goes like, that's like money in the bank for me. Yes. So um, the people who give life to us are the people who notice us. So when you're giving a gift to somebody, whether it's a physical gift, whether it's words, whether it's a gesture, whether um, say you're going to open your house for hospitality and invite somebody in, that can be vulnerable as well, but yet you're still being intentional. Because have you ever seen a notice, like when somebody comes to your door and they step in, all of a sudden you kind of like look around and think, oh, my house is such a mess. It's never like this. And you find yourself explaining, like everybody lives in a house, so there's, it's going to look lived in. However, some people are more messier than others, but... So, yes, so we need to observe and study the people around us. Get to know them because a good gift says, I see you. A good gift says, I know you. A good gift says, I value you. Well, so uh, a phrase to kind of summarize that for a key for you to remember is in order to be intentional, you have to learn to pay attention. And this is what Jesus did. This is the mode of operation. This is how he ministered so well to so many is that he noticed the details he was observant he saw the person that was sick and that needed a healing he saw the little man that climbed up the tree named Zacchaeus and invited himself to his house and brought salvation to his entire home because he was paying attention he was able to move with compassion the bible says that Jesus was moved with compassion and so he healed them all it's the small connections and those daily touches that make our relationships connected and deepened. We have to be intentional. A good tip to remember is stop waiting for people around you to notice you, and you start noticing people around you. It's powerful. Be proactive. As a, the head of the house, that one of the things that we have to remember, um, and again, I'll just talk about this idea that the Greek word broken down that Apostle Paul was using for us to be the head of the house. It really means to be the source or the beginning of or the watershed of a greater source of a body of water. So instead of us thinking that we have to impose ourselves on everybody in the house, and, hey, you got to listen to me. No, it means that if you want love in your house, you have to bring it in. If you want respect in your home, you have to be the one that's the source of it. If you want intentionality in your home, you have to be the one that begins to recognize the details. Mm -hmm. So our last life hack is... Oh, jeez, my notes. No, it's generosity. (laughs) Generosity in friendship is assuming the best about the people you love. Colossians 3.14 states... Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. Generosity 
means understanding that we all have faults and we all have mistakes. Sometimes um, I can be blunt or rude in conversation to Mark or not consider his feelings. And it can be like if I'm hangry or it can be, you know, I'm having a hot flash or whatever. And I think, and then I've hurt him. But I'm like, I didn't mean it. You know, I didn't mean it. And I expect him to extend grace to me in that moment. And then the table gets turned and then Mark gets hangry and he gets angry in traffic and we call it road rage. Road rage is real. Yes. And then he'll say something to me that's rude or blunt. And I'm like, what in the world? Why, why, why'd you have to say that? But then I expect him in return to quickly apologize and crawl on broken glass or whatever. So, it hurts, I by want, the way, glass. <laughs> Scars. But yes, so we need to extend grace to one another because life happens. We're go- situations are never perfect. We have to go with the flow. So if you're extending grace to somebody else like Jesus extended to us, that will strengthen your relationship. Proverbs 19.11 says, A person's wisdom yields patience, and it's to one's glory to overlook an offense. That doesn't mean that when we overlook, that situation didn't happen. And it doesn't mean that we let people walk all over us. But what it does mean is we're making a choice to not be offended on the regular, on a daily basis. So my goal as a wife as a mother, as a friend, as a coworker, is to be generous with the grace that the Lord has shown me to others. I want to clothe myself in love and extend that same grace. Yeah, and it's really the principle of sowing and reaping. So if I give generosity, I can receive and expect generosity in return. If I sow mercy, then I'm going to get mercy is what Jesus said. And so we've been excited about this idea of we're going to live this wonderful life together and we say yes and we fall in love and all these great things happen. There's keys and life hacks that actually make the end goal very doable and very possible. And, of course, that end goal is, is that we ultimately we want to be strong trees of righteousness. You've probably heard this illustration Every day I wake up, I can choose to be either a pumpkin that only takes 60 days to grow, or I can be an oak tree that takes 60 years to grow. We've decided that we're in this for the marathon. We're in this for the long haul. And so what are some of the things that we can do to make every single day a day that we get closer to Jesus and closer to one another and ultimately extend and enlarge the kingdom of heaven no matter where we are in the earth? And so ultimately, we have this incredible verse. Hopefully, it's going to wrap this up that we find in the book of Psalms in chapter 1. Debbie's going to read this, and I think you're going to like it. It's out of the New Living Translation. Blessed is the man who walks in the counsel of the... Walketh not. Yeah, I was like, wait, wait, wait. I can't go there. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. 
He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. In all that he does, he prospers. We're not called or asking anyone to be perfect. We're just calling you to grow, to be healthy, and to be stable. So the key is, if I learn to replace I with we, even illness becomes wellness. Come on, let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you so much for your words. We thank you for your presence. We thank you, Lord, that you are here with us and you're here with us in every moment of every day. So we pull you into every relationship. We want to make you the center of them because out of it, you are the source of all of our greatest expectations. Lord, we pray today that you're going to help us, Lord God, as we learn to be vulnerable and take those risks. And we We take the faith that Jesus gives us with his words to become vulnerable. Lord, help us today, Lord God, as we learn to be positive and we lean on the Holy Spirit to be the encourager and the words of Jesus to give us hope to bring and speak into every relationship. Lord, we pray that you would give us, Lord, your understanding to be intentional, to look into the details, to be observant, to see and to be seen, Lord God, and learn to affirm one another. Lord, and help us ultimately, Lord, to be generous. Lord, we pray that you would teach us to extend the grace of God that's been extended to us. And Lord, we believe that you are going to allow the word of God to shine through all of us. Lord, we're going to see the greatest harvest that the world has ever seen. We're going to be part of the Jesus movement that is going to literally rock the entire earth. And I believe we're going to do that one family at a time. Help us today, Lord God, in our everyday walk. And we'll give you the glory and honor and praise in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody shouted. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to visit us on Facebook or Instagram for updates, service info, and ways to get involved here at Ocean's Church. Be sure to give this episode a rating as it allows us to connect more people to Jesus. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you again soon.